the Hellfire Club might sound like the name of some sort of biker gang, but it's actually the name given to a group of secret societies that started in England in the 1700s. Hellfire Clubs and their offspring have had many an influential member and guests within their midst, including one of America's very own founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. Its wealthy, well-to-do clientele were known for their hard-drinking hedonism, as well as possible involvement in Satanism and black magic. Hooray! Our favourites. Hi everyone and welcome to Sinister Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week we're going to cover your favourite cults, faith followers and secret societies. We'll look at how some of the biggest secretive societies and cults have made their fortunes. And how they've also managed to run in plain sight and permeate into your everyday life. Today, we're going to get into the history of the Hellfire Clubs, a collective name for highly selective and secretive groups that started in the 1700s. We'll get into how these clubs, that were supposed to be a place for like-minded people to get together and be themselves without judgment, became surrounded by rumours of devil worship and were even connected to a couple of murders. I would argue that in a place where like-minded people can get together and be themselves without judgment, what you're going to end up with is sexy times, devil worship and murder. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do. If I was truly allowed to be myself. (laughs) And actually, this is my hometown cult. The Hellfire Caves are in High Wycombe, which is very, very near where I grew up. Of course. I knew there was some connection. I was going to ask, was your grandma in it or something? (laughs) No, no. My granddad was a Freemason. (laughs) That's the one. Um, But no, the Hellfire Caves, which is just one sort of branch of this, are still there. You can go and look at them. They oversee the absolute shithole of High Wycombe from atop a hill. Mm. And they are very atmospheric looking, but I haven't been in. Mm. Speaking of Freemasons, I went to Cambridge the other day to visit my friend and she... My friend the Freemason. Well, this is what I'm saying. Oh, right. She famously doesn't like to spend any money, especially since she had a child. And she was like, let's not walk around the streets because it's quite hard to like walk next to each other and talk. So let's go for a walk in the botanical gardens. And she's like, but it's £8.50. And she's like, but let me see if I can get us in for free. And then she made me wait... Mm-hmm. at the entrance and then she went in and I could see her talking to the guy and then he took out a piece of paper looked at it and then like nodded and then she gestured me and then we were allowed to just walk in to the botanical gardens for free and I was like why and she was like I'll tell you in a minute when we get further away from him and I was like <laughs> what the hell's going on here and then she was like well basically we get free passes because of my dad's social club and then she just stopped talking and i was like social club Mm -hmm. i'm guessing it's not like a fucking paton like group he's a part of that we can like get into the botanical gardens in cambridge for free (laughs) she'll dad a freemason (laughs) what did she say i didn't ask her that i was Uh, thinking it well yeah it's either the freemasons or maybe um camelot that's one who knows but almost definitely freemason i'll ask (laughs) so anyway Let's get back to the Hellfire Clubs and uh, let's get into the beginnings of them. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. So let's get into the beginnings of the Hellfire Clubs. Over the years, there have been multiple Hellfire Clubs, mainly in Britain and Ireland. Philip, Duke of Wharton, is largely credited with starting the first Hellfire Club around 1719, when he was just 21 years old. Yeah, but that's middle-aged in the olden days. Yeah, that's true. In 1719, he's like, he's dead. (laughs) Yeah. So Philip's biographer said of him, quote, Here's two men, one a man of letters, and two, a drunkard, a rioter, an infidel, and a rake. I love the word rake as like an insult. Mm. He's such a rake. Or not an insult, but is it kind of like a, he's a bit of a lad. A cad. A cad. (laughs) A brute. (laughs) I I can start calling you a rake. (laughs) Oh, that Hannah, she's such a rake. (laughs) So Philip's club has been described as a, quote, somewhat shadowy conclave devoted to drinking, lewdness and puerile acts of blasphemy. The members were all well known for mocking Catholicism. Sign me up. I like all of those things. <laughs> Lewdness, drinking, yep. mm-hmm. shadowy conclaves, yep. and puerile acts of blasphemy against Catholicism. I'm there. May I think you should be the reincarnation of Philip. I'll start it again. Philip the Rake. <laughs> Philip the Rake. According to the book, The Hellfire Clubs, Sex, Satanism and Secret Societies by Evelyn Lord, members of these clubs believed that hell was a mere invention designed to frighten sinners and send them down the path of righteousness. I think I think that also. But I guess in 1719, they were like, oh my God. Oh yeah, radical Has anybody ever considered? (laughs) (laughs) But we do have to note, it's quite important to consider that Evelyn Lord also wrote in her book that there are very few details available in historical archives on his club. And quite a lot of it appears to be based on rumours. Philip's club is said to have had around 40 members, and surprisingly, a few of those members may have been women. But again, we don't really know because it's all rumours. According to Geoffrey Ash's book, The Hellfire Club's A History of Anti-Morality, members of the club dressed as figures from the Bible. And the members also appointed the devil as the club's president. Yes, I did say the devil, who also had his own symbolic chair at the head of the table. These guys, they are just really... They're there. Church of Satan Mark 1. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. They're just there to freak out the squares, be in a bunch of rakes about it. And in 1721, King George I quickly put an end to Philip's club. Philip had some political enemies who submitted a bill against, quote, horrid impieties, which was clearly aimed at the Hellfire Club. And according to the New Statesman, it's the only club in history to be banned by an act of parliament. King George I was no fucking gas at all, man. Zero crack. (laughs) Zero crack from King George I. Oh, dear. 
So Philip, after his original club was banned by an act of parliament, went on to join another secretive group, the Freemasons. Uh oh. Getting into those botanical gardens for free. <laughs> and then he died at the ripe old age of 32 in 1731. That's my age. And some speculate that his death wasn't just from being really fucking old in the 1700s. It was from too much drinking. I mean, it sounds like a case of the 1700s to me. 32 is <laughs> great. No problem. Killer. Prime Killer. of life. Exactly. Over the hill, even. Yeah. Probably lost all his teeth by then. And had syphilis. His nose had fallen off. As we said earlier, there were also Hellfire Clubs in Ireland. One of the first, if not the first, was founded around 1735 in Dublin. Members of that club met in pubs around the city. It's said that the Dublin Hellfire Club was the most violent and the most extreme. Their meetings would begin with a toast to the devil, and the drink of choice for the toast was Skoltine. Skoltine is a mixture of whiskey, butter and brimstone, likely a predecessor to the modern-day Irish cream. One of the leaders and founders of the Dublin Hellfire Club was Richard Parsons, the first Earl of Ross. He was a notorious libertine, fond of playing outrageous practical jokes on members of the clergy. And he reportedly liked to greet his guests in the nude. The Dublin Hellfire Club was also known as the Blasters or the Young Bucks of Dublin. Jonathan Swift of Gulliver's Travels fame described the Dublin Hellfire members as, quote, a brace of monsters, blasphemers, and bacchanalians, the latter being people who drink to excess. So like Bacchus, that stop, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the god Bacchus, mm-hmm. the wine god. Yeah. So they would play cards, gamble, and read poetry by the Roman poet Lucretius. And they would eat food that had names like Holy Ghost Pie, Devil's Loins, and Breast of Venus, and drink something called Hellfire Punch, and if you're wondering what's in the Holy Ghost pie, well, it was just pigeon. Which makes sense because pigeons and doves are exactly the same thing and the dove is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And probably pigeons are much easier to get hold of than loads of doves to put in pies. But they're the same. Oh. They're the same animal. A few of the crazy rumours surrounding this club include members playing cards with the devil and being visited by a priest who exercised a demon from a black cat. Now, we'll go into the club's more sinister ongoings later in the episode. For now, let's have a little pricey of what's gone on so far. I just would like to interject here. Please. That every single Irish folklore, every fairy tale ever... Got the devil playing cards. Yes, every single one. What it always is, right, is that it's it's a stormy night and then there is a knock upon the door. You open the door Uh and it's a man (gasps) in a cloak. And then you sit down at the table to play cards and then you look under the table (gasps) and he's got goat legs. No! Every single one. I'm not even joking. Every single one. It's like, just look at his legs when he rings the doorbell, please. <laughs> and also when he walks over to your table to the play clippy, cards. Clippy, clippy, clippy. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, Those are very odd sounding boots you've we got on, stranger. Effects. We yeah. need some sound effects. <laughs> and some coconuts. <laughs> He's like, oh, come on in, stranger. Do you want to play some card games? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's got bells on his hooves, this one. He just had new shoes put on his hooves. Yes, exactly. It's any Irish rumour being made up, they're like, mm, we need to spice this up a bit. Put the devil in, put some cards in. <laughs> so, uh, it's gambling and the devil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming up, 
Although the English Hellfire Club was banished in 1721, it didn't take long for another wealthy elite to come along and continue the tradition in that country under another name. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. So let's get into the second coming of the English Hellfire Club under a new name and the man who set it in motion. One of the most famous clubs inspired by the Hellfire Clubs was founded by Sir Francis Dashwood around 1746. When he was young, Francis travelled throughout Europe and earned himself something of a reputation among the social elite. He had a bit of a wild streak and allegedly got expelled from the Papal States in Italy. He reportedly, quote, fornicated his way across Europe. Well, we've all had a gap year. I mean, what a rake. What a rake. That's all a grand tour is. Shag your way across Europe. Precisely. I feel like that's what they loved. They Everyone loved did it. this kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I watched a thing about like the life of Lord Byron. Oh, the Rupert Everett thing. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that too. It's just like, just shagging. What a rake. Wall to wall cock. So throughout his adult years, Sir Francis had several high profile jobs, including Chancellor of the Exchequer. There you go. For our international listeners, I have a rhyme for you. I'm the Chancellor of the Exchequer. I write checks to make things better. So the Chancellor of the Exchequer is in charge of the purse strings of the government. Yeah, it's basically the treasurer. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The money man. We just call it something more fun. Yes. The CFO of the country. Exactly. And Francis wanted his club to replicate the luxury, seclusion and exclusivity of the Phillips vision, only with a much greater lifespan. He wanted to create a fake religious sect, one that intended to shock and ridicule religious beliefs through fake religious ceremonies. Literally the Church of Satan, exactly the same thing. His clubs went by a few names. The Order of the Friars of St. Francis of Wickham, the Knights of St. Francis, and the Medmenham Friars. He gave it a Latin motto, which translates to Alistair Crowley's favourite, Do As You Will which in Latin, I'm not going to attempt. So membership of this club grew quickly. So to accommodate all the members, Francis bought a ruined abbey, which he renovated to serve as the meeting spot. And he also commissioned the construction of a series of complex tunnels and caverns on his estate. The entrance was designed to look like a ruined church. As somebody who has just finished watching Inventing Anna, this is a way better fucking club that I would want to join. Oh, yeah. And like you can... As I said at the top of the show, I haven't been, mm. but it is very impressive looking and you can see it from the road. Like we should it's, go. We should go. If you ever find yourself in High Wycombe, dear listener, leave. There's literally nothing there I'm for you. I'm going to High Wycombe next Sunday. Why? A child's birthday I have to go to. Ew, which one? Oh, in Lacey Green. Uh, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> the village is around High Wycombe. Lovely. High Wycombe itself, absolutely no redeeming features. Anyway, so if you're there, go to the Hellfire Clubs instead. <laughs> That's it. So the caves were, and still are, if you're in the area, extensive. They're 300 feet underground and have various chambers, including a banqueting hall, a steward's chamber, and even an inner temple. It does look cool. I love it. This sounds great. Let's go do it. Okay. 
So to reach the inner temple, members had to cross a small river that ran through the cave in the 1750s. It was meant to represent, of course, the River Styx, which, in case you don't know, dear listeners, is of course the river in the underworld in Greek mythology that forms the boundary between Earth and the underworld. Do you know the name of the boatman? Karen. Yes! Yeah, yeah. The original Karen. (laughs) (laughs) The faces of club members, imps, ghosts and skulls were carved into the walls. They're thought to act as a warning, telling people not to go any further, unless they were a member of the club. One of the caves is sometimes called Franklin's Cave, referring to American founding father Benjamin Franklin. Franklin reportedly visited the caves and became a close friend of Francis. Another cave is rumoured to represent the ovaries of Bonadia, a goddess who's associated with fertility, apparently. And one section of the caves is said to refer to it says here a section of a woman's anatomy we're all grown ups it's a vagina and apparently there are also said to be references to paganism and also the Knights Templar I think that's the classic example of just because they're there it doesn't mean it's real they're just like oh some vaginas put some Knights Templar in there Mm -hmm. some paganism it's all there yeah couple of upside down got it crucifixes no problem tick a river Mm -hmm. done Francis's club was rumoured to include some of Britain's most senior statesmen and aristocrats Members of the club may have included prominent 18th century figures such as the fourth Earl of Sandwich, no less, John Montague, the English painter and social critic William Hogarth. What's a social critic when it's at home? Um, well, stop being such a dick. I'm socially criticising you. Maybe it's us. Maybe we're social critics. Maybe. Now. Maybe that's what we can call that's ourselves. That's a much better job title than unemployed activist. Absolutely. I am a social critic. And another prominent member of Francis's club is alleged to be the prominent journalist and politician John Wilkes and Thomas Potter, who was vice treasurer of Ireland. They're all at it. Mm -hmm. Apostles for the club were said to be elected and acted as the inner circle of the group. They also organised the feasts and parties and legend has it had the first choice of women. Members and guests were rumoured to sometimes be asked to attend meeting in costume. The women dressed as nuns and wore masks, while apostles wore monk-like robes. They could bring a guest with them, but according to one account, they had to be of a particular standing. Wit and humour were recommended qualities. Every member attending was allowed to eat well and enjoy the company of, quote, a lady of cheerful and lively dispositions. So no Buzz Killingtons is what they're saying. Don't come here and be a fucking square. No Boros. No No Boros. No Boros. Only rakes. (laughs) Brutes and rakes and cads only, please. So interpret the following sentence however you wish to. But according to the website, Historic Mysteries, and this is a direct quote, women present were offered chances to entertain the members, their guests, or themselves at any time. Why not? After the club's meal, the inner circle consisting of a dozen members performed a ceremony out of sight of the others. Club members were rumoured to be devil worshippers, but in reality they were, quote, free thinkers who believed in neither heaven nor hell. One member of Francis's club bequeathed his heart to the club when he died in 1775. The heart was placed in an urn in the mausoleum on Francis's estate, but in 1829 it was stolen. Some stories say the ghost of the man whose heart was stolen haunts the caves searching for it. I think the Hellfire Caves is very, like, most haunted sure. situation. I think you can pay money to sleep in them. Ugh, let's do that. 
Uh, yeah, maybe not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is it because it's camping? <laughs> yeah, I mean, firstly, yes. And also, because it's in Wickham, there's nowhere to escape to that's nice. Yeah, so, no. like, even if we sack it off, we we're like, just fuck this, we're still stuck in Wickham. That's true. That's true. Up next, we'll get into the more sinister and violent sides of the Hellfire Clubs and their spin-offs. So let's get into how Hellfire Clubs got their reputation for being a bit sinister and deadly. Over the centuries, there have been plenty of rumours of satanic rituals like black masses and ritual abuse of women surrounding Sir Francis Dashwood's club. But these rumours have never been confirmed, just like literally everything in the 1700s. However, the English writer Horace Walpole did say of Francis's club and its ongoings, quote, Practice was rigorously pagan. Bacchus and Venus were the deities to whom they almost publicly sacrificed. This next story is another unverified rumour. And some historians do say that it's pure fiction, but it's pretty funny, so we decided we were going to share it anyway. During one of the ceremonies in Francis's caves, the politician and writer John Wilkes is said to have smuggled in a baboon dressed in a robe and mounted with horns. He had placed the baboon inside a box that he could release with the tug of a string. And when he did so, the baboon leapt upon the Earl of Sandwich, the earl mistook it for the devil, who had come to take him away, and cried out, quote, Spare me, gracious devil. Spare a wretch who never was sincerely your servant. I sinned only from vanity of being in fashion. Never have I been able to commit the thousandth part of the vices which I have boasted of. Well, loser. Very embarrassing, isn't it? It's very embarrassing. Imagine a baboon just jumps out of a box and you start spilling your bitch guts like that. I, I would spill my bitch guts, though. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Have you seen a baboon? <laughs> That's what she's wearing horns. Yes. <laughs> I would be more convinced than anything that it was the actual devil. Fair me, devil. Yeah, get your red bomb out my face. <laughs> By the end of the 1760s, Dashwood's club began to decline and eventually dissolved. And as we said earlier, the Irish Hellfire Clubs were known to be the most violent and extreme. And we know why you're here, so let's get into a little bit of what they got up to. One of the Irish club's youngest members was Henry, fourth Baron Barry of Santry, According to a 2014 article in the Irish Times, best newspaper in the world, that said, quote, when intoxicated, which was reportedly often, he revealed a much darker side to his personality. He murdered an ill and bedridden servant by forcing the man to drink a bottle of brandy. Henry drenched the servant's bedclothes in alcohol and then set them alight, burning him alive. Uh, I'd say that's a bit more than just your darker side of your personality. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like I secretly really like you too. Yeah, or like I drink the juice out of the carton and then just put it back in the fridge. <laughs> like, what? T'was I. I put the empty ice cream tub back in there. But apparently he escaped punishment by buying silence from all of the witnesses. So he did it in front of people as well, still got away with it. Henry was disliked in Dublin, especially by authorities who wanted to get him. After he attacked another servant with a knife while drinking... Henry was convicted and initially sentenced to be executed. But friends in high places somehow got the death penalty overturned. And before he died, he spent his last years living in exile in Nottingham, which is quite the punishment. 
The bad press surrounding Henry's trial likely helped to precipitate the demise of the Dublin Hellfire Club, which had already been shaken by the attempted arrest of another member for blasphemy. One member got a little too friendly with his landlady's daughter, so according to the Irish Times, the girl's mother chased him through the town with a hot shoulder of mutton. That's going to cool down quite quickly. I thought she was going to say like a hot poker or something. (laughs) That's immediately going to go cold. And also it would do more damage if it was frozen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'd rather get hit with cold meat than hot meat. Really? Freezing cold meat or hot meat? Well, it depends whether I want to be knocked out or not. Frozen meat's going to do a lot more damage. Yeah, so I'm... mm, What did I say I prefer? Yeah, exactly. You got it the wrong way around. I don't know. (laughs) Hungry. (laughs) Now it's all this talk of mutton. I'll go buy you a leg of mutton, shall I? Let's go go get a hot shoulder of mutton. (laughs) So a man by the name of Simon Luttrell was one of the Irish club's most notorious members. Legend has it that Simon promised the devil his soul in exchange for clearing his debts. When the devil supposedly came to collect, Simon managed to distract him and flee. After the collapse of the Irish club, Simon returned to England, where he became the first Earl of Carhampton. He also outlived the other members. Interestingly, the name Hellfire didn't become associated with these clubs until later in the club's history. They were branded Hellfire clubs after they were exposed by the media. And that, dear friends, is the end of today's episode on the Hellfire clubs. To be honest, out of all of the ones we've done... I think it's my fave. I don't think they're doing any harm, apart from that one guy who did a murder. He was going to do that anyway. He would, Yeah, so he would arguably have done that anyway. I think, you know, having a good time, dressing up as a nun. Do it. Being in the dark, no problem. Do it. We support it. <laughs> we endorse this message. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. And we just wanted to mention that for today's episode, we referenced reporting from Slate, The Daily Beast, The New York Times, The BBC and The Irish Times. We also found the books The Hellfire Club's Sex, Satanism and Secret Societies by Evelyn Lord and The Hellfire Club's A History of Anti-Morality by Jeffrey Ash to be extremely helpful. In addition, we used the website's Historic Mysteries and Heritage Daily. So remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every single week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like me and Hannah and you want to listen to us talking about all sorts of other crimes, well, you, dear listener, are in luck because if you just stick into any podcast player of your choice, red-handed, then you will come across our OG podcast, a British weekly true crime podcast that's been running for five years with well over 200 episodes at your disposal. Trying to think of one episode that fits in well with this, and I can't, so I'm going to talk about Jack Unterweger, who was an Austrian serial killer. He reminds me of the rakes and the cads, (laughs) the cadabouts in this episode, because he really did pull the wool over everybody's eyes. And uh, he also called himself the poet of death, which I think is quite fitting with the Hellfire Clubs. So if you fancy that, come on over to Red Handed and check us out there. And we'll see you somewhere else next time for something other than this. Goodbye. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo, Gemma Waters and Tracy Levy. 
Sound design by Christian Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Research by Chelsea Wood and fact-checking by Laurie Siegel. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. <laughs>